0: Something is going to get you tonight. Let's talk about the thing that's going to get you tonight. Welcome to to the Happy Happy Harvest 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 Car Show. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Brian, and this is the Happy Harvest Horror Show, where we get together and talk about our favorite spooky things. And this week, it's the return of spooky Catholics and podcast favorite, Connor Bryant. Welcome back. Connor, how are you doing?
1: I'm great. I'm uh, so happy to be back on the podcast. I feel like it's been a really long time. But uh, it's nice that we're doing more spooky Catholic adjacent uh, material for, for this episode. I'm very excited. Was it
0: Midnight Mass the last time you were on?
1: it might have been no, no 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 actually you know what i think the last time that i was on we were doing our episode about grief oh yeah grief well since then there have been
0: multiple flanagan projects and a lot of grief horror you know so we yes. have a lot to catch up on but all uh, right we are continuing our spooky catholic adjacent series with exorcisms today talking about a little bit about that but you know the drill before we get into that I'm dying to know how spooky your week was. So, Connor, what kind of spooky stuff were you up to
1: this week? You know, my week wasn't actually particularly spooky, but since the last time that I saw you, the very end of March, I went home for uh, my birthday. And the flight from LaGuardia to the Raleigh Durham Airport was the scariest turbulence I have ever experienced in my entire life. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, it was, and it was turbulence on the ascent so we had not even reached our cruising altitude and i don't know if that has ever happened to me before but um and you know what it honestly probably only lasted about 60 seconds but it was the longest 60 seconds of my life and i was in mortal terror and it did make me have to sort of like reevaluate my relationship with god (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking and it was the day before my birthday and I thought am I really gonna die in this airplane the day before my 29th birthday and I didn't because here I am but um that was very that was very scary and then also actually something spooky that happened today I think uh, a friend of mine texted me a picture of a a spooky church in Brooklyn and I think that it's the church that we went to where Grady Hendrix had his author event for how to sell a haunted house but I'm not positive, but I think I think it's the same church. But that church was pretty spooky. I like that church. That church was really spooky. Yeah, that that was fun. That was great fun. I like that. They had some good pews. I I appreciate good pews.
0: With some like good old pews. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's when churches get you know like yeah, you know, my church had like the the rock and roll mass, <laughs> like the Sunday right, night mass. You know, yes. and like when they get like really modern and like light beige. Um, that I'm I'm kind <laughs> of out. But I I love I love an old church. Right well, on. Brian, how spooky was your week? Oh, it was it was pretty spooky. Uh, this has been a couple of weeks now, but I did go to the Overlook Film Festival in New Orleans, yes. so I was also flying. I think the same weekend you were flying. Uh, my flight landed a okay, all good, no sully moment uh, <laughs> with the takeoff. <laughs> but yeah, the festival was awesome. I got to see a lot of cool people, meet a lot of really cool people, saw a lot of amazing movies. Uh, I got an early screening of uh, both Red and Field and Evil Dead Rise, which are both coming out next couple weeks and are both very fun. I also got a sneak preview of Talk to Me, just yeah. horror movie. and oh, man, I keep like, I'm probably gonna be saying this until July when it comes out, but y'all buckle up because this this movie fucking this goes so hard. <laughs> we were yeah. as an audience, like it gives it was like a secret screening, and we all got to see it during the festival. We all like for the rest of the weekend, we're kind of like kind of shook by it a little bit. Wow. <laughs> it was uh yeah, it, everyone was talking about it. And then by the end of the the festival, that was kind of the clear favorite of like, yeah, mm-hmm. you talk to me, ruled. But I'm not gonna get spoilery. I can't wait for everyone to see it in July and then we can all talk about it and have our thoughts about it. But yeah, it is. It's rad. So that that's kind of that's that's my spooky week. You know, it's been, very spooky. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. You know, going to New yeah. Orleans <laughs> to see a bunch of horror movies. New Orleans itself too was awesome. I I went to the the vampire boutique
1: mm-hmm. store
0: and the vampire cafe. I Got my own little you know blood bag and upon a recommendation from a listener i went back to the vampire boutique and got a little like a, a password from one of the people there and there is a bar in, i think so mm-hmm. yeah in the french quarter where if you go in and go to the back of the bar give them this like special password There is a secret vampire speakeasy, like on the second Mm. floor, and I got to go up there. That and that was really cool. And I even like walking up there. It was like four o'clock in the afternoon because I had to fit it in with all these movies. Uh, But it was like old couches and whatnot. It's really like speakeasy. And there was a woman there that was sitting at the bar that I talked to for a little bit, and she was in New Orleans that weekend for a ragtime festival, and so she was dressed in full 1920s like. Wow. It was it, it was just such a like a little magical, like 30 minutes of like going to the back of this jazz bar, like sneaking in you know giving this password to this bouncer that had fangs and then he let me in you
1: know to this. Well, or, or is that just what she told you and really she's a vampire and she just hasn't changed out or she just from when wasn't she was even turned. there it was a ghost exactly it was like, a ghost <laughs> i'm paying my
0: bill and the bartender's like <laughs> who are you talking to <laughs> so yeah awesome. that was all that was all super fun so i had a i had a pretty good speaking w- weekend and i'm i'm looking forward to already going back uh, with a group next year because this time i went solo and that was also pretty spooky yeah <laughs> i'll have
1: to i'll have to join you when the timing works out better i was i was sad that i couldn't go and especially talk to me is uh the one movie that i was really envious that uh, you got to see that already because i'm so ready for it it's fun it's fun i can't wait for everyone to see it okay so that was
0: that was my spooky week we got we got a lot going on here um at the happy Harvest Horror show i just also wanted to give you a quick plug before we go on a break that we have a book club uh, we love books at Happy Harvest Horror Show, and that club is still going strong. If you'd like any more information, just head on over to Happy Harvest Horror Show's Instagram, and we'll get all the information on that. But yeah, kind of. Let's just, just take a quick little break, get some words from our our little you know Spotify for Podcasters sponsors, and we'll come back and let's talk about the fun exercise of exorcism. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back welcome back we're talking exorcisms today connor you are a fellow catholic uh raised catholic person fellow man uh what's your what's your history with exorcisms i'm i'm sure you've never been part of one (laughs) but um i feel like every like catholic boy has like a or catholic just in general has like a, a deep connection to what that is
1: Well, first of all, I can't believe that you are so sure that I've never been part of one. (laughs) Oh, man, it's going to be fun. Wow. (laughs) I've not ever been part of one. And I don't know when I first became aware of exorcism as a thing. I don't have like a distinct memory of, I don't know, like seeing a movie or, you know, it's like seeing the exorcist and then like making the realization that like, oh, actually, this is part of the belief system that i you know am in right now yeah i sort of wish that i had like a really formative sort of experience and that there was a story behind that but i don't really but i do remember being very fascinated by it because it was it's inherently one of the more fantastical sort of elements of catholicism and i don't remember any of my relatives approaching it with any real degree of skepticism it seemed it seems like everybody i knew really bought into it not that they themselves had had personal experiences with it but um because it's so official and because it's so it's taken so seriously and you know the vatican has to appoint you know s- you know special priests to be exorcists and and all of that i think i think it was um approached with a degree of seriousness that made me think oh i guess this is legit um yeah. So yeah, but I never, never witnessed anything. I don't even think I even knew a priest. We had a lot of priests go through our church, and I don't think any of them were trained to be exorcists that I'm aware of. And I'm sure I asked. Yeah, yeah but what about I'm, I'm sure that I I'm sure. Yeah. That I
0: asked. I, it's so such a common thing. I feel like I've asked like five priests. <laughs> So when I was yeah. a kid, which was easy when you grew up in a Catholic school because priests were available. You know, I feel like nowadays oh, sure. it's like, <laughs> Am I gonna go find a priest? Um yeah. I feel like the Exorcist, the movie, that's always the big one, you know, that like you see that early, and that's like, oh shit, this really scared me. And and I feel like we're always kind of told about demons and and uh you know the influence of the devil, but like you know, then you see a movie like The Exorcist that I feel like it scared so many god-fearing people just because of how visceral and blasphemous the imagery and everything was i yeah but i don't know if that was my i do remember specifically like going to a like a sleepover when i was in high school with like oh, a, yeah with some guy and that's always a thing you know you watch scary movie but i do remember this specific <laughs> sleepover we watched exorcist the beginning
1: oh yeah uh
0: the prequel and remember getting pretty, spoo- like, freaked out about it, and I was laughing because I was remembering this at that sleepover of the five guys that were there, including myself. Two of them are now priests, and I host a, a scary podcast. So, like, I don't want to say that that night and that the, uh, <laughs> the movie Exorcist, the beginning was a formative moment, but, like, that, that is a crossroads between all of us, you know? Indeed. Wow. Uh, that's, that's just so funny. But uh, that same group of people, I do remember also later, because I, I was, uh, uh, I don't know if we said in earlier, you know, Spooky Catholics, you know, podcasts. But when I was young, I like seriously considered priesthood as a vocation when I was, mm. you know, growing up. And early high school, like took a trip uh, with two of the guys that were at this this little sl- Slipboard party to uh saint paul minnesota to visit you know the seminary there and whatnot and on the drive there we were driven by two priests i'd like to think i was the one that asked but somebody in the car asked the priest like exorcisms what's the deal you ever done one you know (laughs) and uh i and then the priest just
1: pull over to the side of the road
0: right well (laughs) kind of like he got really quiet and like not in like uh it was like he was like a he answered the question like, there was one time I helped this. I, I can't remember the specifics of the story, but I do remember like in the story he was saying he didn't tell any specifics about an exorcist. All he mm-hmm. would tell us he remembers when he was at the house of the person afflicted, he felt like a deep, dark presence pushing on his chest. And I and then just kind of left that in the car. And you had like three kids in the backseat going, oh, we're totally going to be priest now. This is fucking, you know, right, right. <laughs> But I just, I wish I had more, you know, memories of that conversation because years later, I'm going to be looking back like, damn it. I had you, I had you in a car. I had so many questions I could have asked, but instead I was, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so I guess that's my, uh, direct connection to one. I've never, I've, I've never been one. I've never had one done to me. However, I guess that like, if we talk about exorcism in, in a broad sense of the definition, We've as Catholics, we've been part of minor ones, yeah, that like there are sacraments that are, you know, right like minor dispellings of bad spirits or bad, you know, evil influences. yeah, yeah.
1: so there's a there's um a difference specifically in in Catholicism between there are essentially two types of exorcism. There is the ordinary or the simple. And mm-hmm. that can be sort of performed by anyone. Um, but baptism is uh, an example of an ordinary or simple exorcism, more of a deliverance than an exorcism. And then the the type of exorcism that we are most familiar with and the one that we see portrayed in you know TV and film and movies and books uh, is what is called the solemn or the long exorcism. And that is the kind that you have to get, even if you are a trained exorcist, you have to get... The approval, approval from the bishop of your diocese to uh, perform, but uh, yeah, there's all sorts of like minor, yeah, those ordinary, or simple exorcisms. Um, like, yeah, I think baptism is the most obvious um, example, like a little baby bat exorcism, you know? Literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Oftentimes, literally. Uh, yeah, I I was doing some research and reading. I'm on the the website of the you know the United States conference of Catholic bishops. And also like exorcist is an idea it is through a number of faiths. We're speaking from like a Catholic, you know, standpoint, yeah, because that's our big direct. disclaimer. Yeah, exactly. That this is, that's our, our upbringing or our, our, our point of view comes from that. But um, yeah, this is all over the world. There are many different cultures that all have some sort of like dispelling or rejecting of bad spirits from a body or a place or an object.
1: Still within the Christian tradition, um, in contrast to uh, Catholicism, uh anglican priests don't require any sort of um permission from anyone whatsoever in order to perform an exorcism and they also don't have it, like catholics have uh the roman ritual um the roman rite uh for exorcism and there isn't a sort of equivalent or anglican priests. so they they sort of can play fast and loose and play by their own rules <laughs> we love that
0: or we don't because that can some like pretty bad stuff um yeah god knows <laughs> It's kind of fun just to dive into like i already mentioned that they have to have the express for an exorcism that has to have the express permission of the diocese or the, the bishop so what are like the steps like if someone is possessed if if somebody uh you know played with ouija too much um <laughs> invited the devil in what are the steps then to rid the body of the spirit
1: oh well i think first the catholic church specifically is very thorough i think in their investigation they very discerning. That, yeah, they're discerning yeah very discerning they stipulate that you have to have a medical professional present for all of it usually a psychiatrist but sometimes a medical doctor um and then other sort of lay persons uh, that are also involved just to um have different perspectives um and you know be able to verify and it, i don't know what the statistic is and i'm sure every Exorcist or person who's ever been involved with an exorcism will tell you a different statistic. But you know, there's only so many in, you know, a hundred or a thousand cases that are determined to be, oh, we think this is actually a case of, you know, demonic possession or infestation or oppression or, or what have you. Um, but that the, the the real number is uh really quite small. But they're very, but that's because they're very, they're very discerning about it, and they want to make sure that this isn't a case of mental illness, this isn't a case of somebody manipulating this for some sort of reason for, you know, for some sort of benefit, somebody, uh, you know, it's not a hoax or something. So, yeah, but I think then once uh, it's determined that, that it is really, you know, that what they are dealing with is something diabolical, then the evidence for that are sort of the classic. And anybody who, you know, has consumed media about exorcisms will be familiar with, you know, the, the demoniac will use um, an unknown tongue, Mm -hmm. Um, which is not not the same thing as speaking in tongues, right? So speaking in tongues is usually an example of, like, religious ecstasy, which I think is an interesting, you know, sort of two-sided coin. Like, if you've been, like, touched by God and are having a a holy religious experience, you might start speaking in tongues. But if you're having this demonic experience, then you might be speaking in languages that you have no reason to have known. Uh, The next thing would be hidden knowledge. So, like, if we were... I don't know if we were in a room and I was possessed and I was able to uh, tell you what is in your pockets without having any knowledge of it beforehand. Uh, So things like that. And then some sort of physical power, usually um, strength, which is a a difficult thing because, you know, we know of there are medical, there's certainly medical explanations for that kind of thing, right? You know, the There's that famous example of, you know, the mother lifting the truck or the bus or whatever, you know, to save her child, you know, sort of supernatural feats of strength in moments of extreme duress. But that's sort of the classic third thing. Um, And then there's some like additional criteria that could or some additional manifestations that could come up, like thought transference. Suddenly the thoughts of the the person who's possessed uh, gets transferred to one of the people that's in the room. Telepathy. And these are things that are not not observed uh, as often. So that's why they're not like the chief criteria. Uh, there's also something I came across that was like knowledge of an ancestral tongue. So perhaps if you, I mean, I don't know, uh, depending on what your heritage was, you might suddenly start speaking in a language that um, is linked to, you know, your heritage, but that you have not that you have no reason to be speaking, which is a little different than just speaking any language that you're unfamiliar with. There's a sure, sort sure. Of an ancestral link. And then, uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's sort of it. There's some other things about like using I don't really know how they test this, but like using parts of your brain or your body that you're, that are not normally used. So I suppose if you were if you were paralyzed in some way and then suddenly you were able to move that part of your body that you didn't have function over, that would be an example. But uh, yeah there's yeah those are I think sort of all the classic signs.
0: I think this is interesting this step and you know, what I I think is interesting and I, this could become just a bigger discussion on possessions versus exorcisms because this is mostly we're talking about like get them in yeah. out, getting them out but i feel like a lot of things you're describing are could be double meaning as miracles you know that these are like sure that in any other circumstances this is like a glorious thing that could happen like oh my gosh you know you mentioned like if somebody was paralyzed and suddenly they could walk again that would be a good thing whereas uh in the realm of possession this is something that has to get out
1: fast and out now and i think in most examples the you know, the reason that the possessed is is um, brought to the attention of someone else is that it's negatively impacting their life, right? And so, and so sometimes the signs are uh, not super obvious, and they present in ways that are sort of classic of various mental illnesses, you know, you become, you might become withdrawn or apathetic, or just be exhibiting behaviors that maybe are not super extreme, but might be very out of character for you. And that's sort of the Early early warning signs, but of course, if you just uh, witness that, you wouldn't necessarily. The first thing you would think of is not probably demonic possession, but then it, you know, things get uh, go from bad to worse, as they say. Um, yeah, it gets pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Things can get pretty um pretty bleak.
0: But I think that's interesting because we're speaking mostly within the Christianity Catholic you know uh, realm of this, and I think it's yeah. also interesting to know because you mentioned up that things get pretty bad, but like within the mindset of Christianity and Catholicism, possessed individuals are not usually regarded as evil themselves, which is like sets them apart a little bit that I've read that, or that they're not whole that we recognize that they're not wholly responsible for what they're going through. That like, there is some other influence that's making them do this. Whereas in other, in other ways that it, it could be seen as that they're, they are to blame for this, whatever they're meddling in some other things. They're, you know, they're, bad thoughts have led to their jealousies or their unchaste thoughts have led to this sort of like evil presence taking over whereas within the christian doctrine that an evil presence can take over the body without any sort of um
1: without having done anything to bring it upon you necessarily i mean there's certainly like you can i mean there's a school of thought that is like well if you dabble in occult things then you're obviously opening the door to to doing that or if you're involved in you know, really, I don't know if you were a serial murderer or something like the, the very evil of your, of the things that you are doing is drawing that sort of uh, supernatural evil attention to you. But then mm-hmm. there's also, you know, other people who are leading perfectly ordinary lives and, and are um, nonetheless victims. I think it's also important to point out on that note of, uh, different, different faiths, different traditions. The Catholic Church doesn't really recognize the, um, the existence of, spirits or entities that are good whereas I think in other cultures you could you could be possessed by bad spirits or also good spirits or uh, you know if if it's a if it's a culture if it's a tradition that involves ancestor worship of any kind like there can be you know that's and you know inviting that sort of presence into you whereas for the most part in Catholicism if there's some sort of um entity or spirit or power that is trying to, you know, speak through you or work through you in a way that we would recognize as possession, it's almost certainly malevolent.
0: I think we, we've we de- probably definitely talked about this in the previous episode, but now I'm just more interested in it <laughs> again. Like, that's such a good point that they like, we don't recognize that there are like good spirits. Like what is there like is there a stance on t- like ghosts or like family spirits that like, I feel like it's, it's very much like a, yeah, my, you know, my, my father or, you know, other family members that have passed on there and they're still with us in spirit or, you know, that's a very po- popular thing to say, but like, is there any like truth to saying that within like the actual,
1: I think ghosts come up more often in, well, more often than not, they come up um, when we talk about needing to exercise a place. Mm-hmm. So in thinking about like haunted houses, but If the living are encountering ghosts, those ghosts are usually manifesting as a result of having done something bad. Like there's there's something there's something about their sinful nature or sins that they are attached to uh, keeping them. We don't really talk about like visitations or um, visions of sort of your average person who is probably pretty good in life, you know, having any sort of presence in the in the world other than. You know, you might you might personally feel that, like, oh, I felt like their their hand was touching me, or I felt like they were in the room. You know, something something sort right, of right. subtle like that. But anything where it's like, I don't know, like a, a haunted house, or or even possessions. There have there have been um, possessions where it's it's determined that really it's it's the dead spirit of of someone who was once alive. But again, that's always um, uh, a malevolent presence. And then also in terms of poltergeists, that's more like the energy that someone's left behind it doesn't really have there's a less um specific identity attached to the um the presence that's behind that activity gotcha and also in the i I think it's it's very common um or certainly it's very prevalent in the catholic faith to even if you were to encounter something that you Maybe took for something that was good, you know, a, a good sort of spiritual presence or some sort of supernatural encounter that didn't seem mm. obviously bad. That you're meant to regard that with a good deal of skepticism because, you know, demons are crafty, you know, and Your they might be trying to trick you. You know, it's, yeah. it's that whole Hamlet seeing the ghost of his father, you know, and that whole going back and forth about like, well, was it really my dad or was it, you know, a demon mm-hmm. appearing as my father trying to get me to do bad things? So. Yeah, I think I think there's a there's a healthy or not a healthy, but there's a, there's a, a good dose of skepticism um, about having supernatural encounters that you might assume are benign, that mm-hmm. um, maybe are malevolent in nature, and you're being tricked. So if if
0: one does find themselves like, hey, I am definitely being tricked by a demon right now, and I'm <laughs> the uh there there are steps within the Catholic Church what would to we have an exorcism performed. We already established that they need express permission from the bishop or the diocese that they will discern, they will make sure that there is no mental illness or psychological uh, culprits behind whatever's happening. And then they will, who, so I'm thinking about who can actually perform the exorcism. A bishop can, and a priest that has been given permission can also can, right?
1: Yeah. And I, and I would assume that unless it's in an area where It just doesn't make any sense. It's just not possible if you're in in a very small area or a very rural area. I would imagine that the bishop is only granting permission to a priest that has had exorcism training. I I think that's probably a condition of the permission is that like, oh, the priest in question is a trained exorcist. But I'm sure that there are, you know, special circumstances where it's like, oh, well, we live in the middle of nowhere and probably the bishop for your diocese also lives several hours from where you are and just, you know. Given the resources, um, you could be allowed as, a, as just a regular priest to um, perform an exorcism, but I think that's probably, um, it would be perceived as somewhat uh, risky.
0: I did think it was interesting, too, just because I'm just going off this U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops site that has, like, quite a lot of information on exorcisms. I was, like, surprised. I thought it would just be, like, Uh a couple paragraphs, but, like, they really went all in and answering all these different questions. But one of them I thought was also interesting because we've talked about who can perform them. I thought it was interesting that, like, uh, who can receive one, and they had, like, a criteria that, like, uh, there's like a tier system like Catholics, all Catholics, yeah, you, you're good to go or um, catechumans, they <laughs> are also good yeah, if you're, fun. you know, it like it feels like it, of all the steps that if you are earnestly and like sincerely looking for help from a Catholic faith to clear the spirit that they will go forward with it, I feel like, and that's, uh, I think that's the requirement, <laughs> And all, but I think that's interesting that it requires consent you know, that like, they yeah. they They, they need, they, they want it to be gone. You know, like you said earlier that this isn't something like a, like a good thing. I also thought it was interesting that like, it says in here, uh, where should they be performed? And I'm, I'm so like my, my visual vocabulary on exorcisms is so influenced by movies that I, all I think about is just like a bedroom, you know, always, but they were like, Right here in within their website that they were like, Yeah, they should be performed uh within a building that is uh, dedicated to the church and yeah, should... ideally. Exactly. And 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 it best to avoid uh the home of the person afflicted. And I'm like, that's so interesting because every single you know, fake exorcism I've seen has always been done in the person's home.
1: Um, yeah and and but it makes total sense though, right? because you would think like, yeah, why would you want to like release that and then like I don't know it's bouncing around your house or whatever or it just seems like why wouldn't you why wouldn't you perform this in a place that like is already consecrated to God that is already like I mean it's one thing to have a crucifix on your wall. it's a whole nother thing to be in the physical location where everything about it is um you know devoted to. God, so yeah, it makes total sense. But it is funny that in the representations that we see in media, it's always yeah, somebody's bedroom or um a hospital room, maybe or something.
0: I, yeah, I, I do think it's interesting, and it also, I mean, it says right here that it, it, a small chapel is often used or discreetly hidden from human view. But I guess I, you know, to give a throw a bone to all these movies, I guess the reasoning is that like by the time they need an exorcism, it's they're so far in, you know, right, they're, right. The the demon is entrenched.
1: And we'll not let them leave, you know. Um, And that's the other thing, too. I mean, there's such a wide gulf between what we see in media and what, you know, actual exorcisms are like. But one of the things that doesn't get talked about a lot is just how long that process can be. And then it can be really drawn out over days, weeks, months, you know, even years. Like, it can be multiple sessions, whereas, of course, in in the span of, you know, a narrative on film or whatever, you sort of have to, like have it be the climax or whatever and you don't really see multiple attempts it's not like a neat and tidy process and i think the outcome is very uncertain yeah and not always successful there was a um yeah there's a famous british case let me see if i can find it i had i had read about it oh here i found it let me just, I'm just going to read this this little disturbing story. It's just this one paragraph. This is from the book, Demons, The Devil, Possession, and Exorcism by Anthony Finlay, which is a, uh, it's a little dated, it's from 1999, but it tells this story of Michael Taylor, whose strange and irrational behavior in 1975 led to his being exorcised by two inexperienced clergymen. One of the exorcisms lasted all night, at the end of which the exorcist claimed to have driven out scores of demons from Taylor's body. They believed they had succeeded totally in freeing Taylor and had restored him to normality. In a mistaken euphoria, they left Taylor alone with his wife. That night or early morning, he attacked his wife with such ferocity that she choked on her own blood. He gouged out her eyes, tore out her tongue, and ripped the flesh from her face. Later, Taylor was deemed to be insane. So, that um, Jesus, uh, yes, a, a very graphic. Yes, yeah, sorry, I should have I should have done a, 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 a warning, but um. Because <laughs> that is a, a, very, a terribly graphic story, but a, a, a very, a, a tale of exorcism gone terribly awry. And that's within a sanctioned exorcism, too. I think that's an interesting thing we can
0: get into uh, in a little bit. it so yeah. was unsanctioned exorcisms, which is like a, it's a big problem. I also think it's interesting before we get too far away from this is that that. There is a degree of secrecy around all this too, not only from like, like a place hidden from view. And like you're saying, um, like their actual right, but also around the people involved within it. I'm reading right here that this question about asking if exorcisms are kept confidential. And it says, like, yeah, for the integrity of and of those individuals confidentiality is so important they also strongly suggest the identity of the exorcist be kept a secret so then they are not Hmm. inundated with random calls and inquiries and then i just flash back to that car ride with the car and the priest and how he was like so like i'm not going to tell you anything about it which i'm like you definitely you definitely did one then i know it now because you didn't tell me but i i I think this like all this secrecy going back to then unsanctioned exorcisms like can go uh, in the opposite way that like because there is so little reported on all of this that the problem could be much bigger than it actually is that we right. actually know yeah i think that's i think that's it's really scary because the exorcism is all about like driving something out of the person and the tools in which to do it are uh I mean, from a Catholic standpoint, it's using, uh, you know, holy water, icons, uh, the Word of God, because we're they are vessels through the Word of God, dispelling them. Um, but in these more, uh, I guess, fanatical interpretations of an exorcism from an Anglican exorcism, they can get it's it could basically be torture for the person.
1: Yeah, I think it's also interesting to note that the the only reason that within the Catholic tradition that exorcism apparently works or that it's even a um sort of the the rule that it, the whole thing is predicated on is the acknowledgement that demons are subject to a, a higher authority you know that they are subject to the authority of god and i i don't i've had a, this question that comes up in my mind occasionally and i don't know when i first thought about it but it it comes back to me um every now and again and i just i <laughs> i just think what if everything we thought we knew about exorcism was wrong? And that that's why, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. perhaps that accounts for, you know, exorcism has gone wrong, but, but because the whole thing is just sort of, it's predicated on that, on that idea that um, it it works because, because demons are, are beholden to the power of God. And I mean, well, I mean, if exorcism is even real, if demons exist, if, if, if all of that is true, I mean, I would, I would hope that that, that, that is the case, but um I think it's interesting that like that's not we just sort of take that for granted that perhaps that's that's the case, but who really knows?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also it's it's scary too that like because so much of this is, is a religious right and or is a religious act, uh there are so many protections for different religious, you know, activities that like mm-hmm. a lot of this can go if if we are wrong, you know, in like mm-hmm. the faith, if there it actually everything we do know is wrong, uh, it still goes unchecked because of religious freedom. I think one thing oh, that, yeah. I, you know, when one thing that I uh, first thing that comes to mind is I'm going to bring it right back to this film festival that I was just at because there was a movie that happened there called Godless, the East filled exorcism. And it's all about this true story of this, this, uh, exorcism that resulted in the poor woman's death. Uh, that was unsanctioned by the church. Uh, it was a, you know, a radicalized, uh, Christian local church that mm-hmm. uh that believed this woman was possessed tried to, this exorcism uh it was a brutal horrible thing and the movie you follow you know this this one the woman that's going through this but also her husband that is the one really at odd or like struggling you know of with his own faith of like do i trust the church that <laughs> is saying that i need to do this or do i trust my right. wife fascinating movie i think it's going to coming out in vod if you'd like to check it out uh, called godless but at the end of the movie it also brought to light all of these other real statistics of all all the uh, the documented cases of unsanctioned exorcisms that result in death and they're normally usually children or women you know that it's never uh, right it's never a young man that gets or you know that, that has to right. go through this and going back to like what you're just saying that like what if we're wrong i think that in this situation they're absolutely wrong you know and yeah um but because just like a a demon will will use and exploit different things i feel like this this if there is any good from a good exorcism it's being exploited to also allow these other murders that happen
1: you know yeah it makes me think about um one of my favorite uh, exorcism movies, and maybe one of the very first ones that I ever saw, if not the first one, which was uh, the Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yes, I and... just rewatched that last night. Actually, for oh, of this. did you? Yeah, okay. I um, I was revisiting it a, a little bit, and um, yeah, I always had such. Uh, affection for that movie because I think it's a really interesting question of how how responsible you know because it's a it's a trial for a, a priest who had this young woman under his care and. She was reportedly possessed and um, she died under his care. And so it was trying to determine if he was criminally negligent. And uh, she had various medical conditions. I think she has epilepsy. And part of the difficulty was that they realized or they believed that the medication that she was on. um, And I think they name a drug that is not a real drug, but I'm sure it has an actual real life. They called it Gabapen. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) Gabapen or like Gambutrol or something. Yeah, something. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Also the first time I ever saw uh Share she's that um uh she's one of the witnesses um oh, that she's wonderful. talks about but yeah but I think that's the first thing I ever saw her and obsessed ever since but anyway anyway <laughs> um yeah they determined that the medication that she's on uh keeps her in such a state that she is unresponsive to the right of exorcism it keeps her from being able to uh respond mm-hmm. which is uh puts puts everybody in a hard place. Um, yeah, which but is
0: I, yeah. That, I think that's really interesting. Thinking that like, because exorcisms, if you want to think of it, we're talking about like the actual spiritual practice of like, the getting rid of demons or you know unclean spirits that are in the body. But also like, there's you know talk that like realms of thought and studies that exorcisms work as a as a act of like a placebo or like that they are you know the right. the power of persuasion and that like if that was the case and would have worked for, you know, Emily Rose in this case that like, that's all she needed was someone, you know, to, it, to believe that she wasn't possessed anymore. And then it was, would have been good. Um, yeah. This drug is keeping her from getting there. It's just like, it's a, it's a messy category when we, Very when we mix these two things together.
1: But I must say that one of the, I think that movie has one of the best exorcism scenes as far as portraying an exorcism as close to what it, might look like in real life. It's a fairly un, um, untheatrical, in the sense that you know, there's no spinning heads, there's no pea soup, there's no, I don't even know that there's much <laughs> telekinesis, um, and there's no sort of like, I her eyes dilate a little bit, but um, most of the time she just she exhibits you know extraordinary strength, and she does, um, speak in several languages that she has no business knowing, right, and um. Yeah, it starts in her bedroom as as we know all exorcisms in uh, movie and films must and then it progresses to the barn on the family property and they try As to- all exorcisms do, yep. Yeah. And the weather is dramatic, right? Like, you know, the, you're supposed to believe that like, oh, it's it's stormy because of the supernatural forces at work, but um it also could just have been stormy that night. But, yeah, as I think, as far as like other exorcism scenes in in other movies, um even ones that really try to treat the subject matter with a degree of seriousness um don't get as realistic as that one is. and And in the I can't remember if it's true of the actual case that it's based on, but at least in the film, part of the difficulty that uh, that um, Father Moore faces, played wonderfully by Tom Wilkinson is that he assumes that she's only possessed by one demon and he keeps trying to extract the name. Mm. Um, and and Emily keeps counting in several different languages and she keeps counting to six. And then you realize that she's counting to six because there are six of them in her. And so they have names. It's not, it's not just one name. And I don't remember if that's actually true of of the case that it's it's based on, but that also is something that has... I guess, religious precedent, biblical precedent.
0: Yeah, because the case that was based off of was Annalise Michel, um, which was a Catholic woman in Germany who was said to be possessed by six or more demons, subsequently underwent a secret 10-month-long voluntary exorcism. I think that's also interesting that – I, I remember seeing from this movie too is that it showed that like it's not like a one and done thing you know an exorcist right it's not like the the priest doesn't come in unfold you know the the little s- the scarf and you know uh, <laughs> the throws, scarf yeah and it <laughs> throws the holy water and it's like you know out damn spot and and then and then they're all done mm-hmm. you know it's oh uh gosh they're usually, I mean, it'll even say so on the the Catholic bishop's site here that it can be years long ordeals of routine, yeah, uh, praying and and commanding. But I yeah, I think, but, oh go ahead, sorry.
1: Oh, that just makes me think of um, just sort of talking about it casually. It, it makes me think of um, my favorite exorcism film which is the right 2011's the right starring anthony hopkins which mm-hmm. was not which di- the critics were not particularly kind to but i watched it several times a year i think it's fabulous um but the first sort of exorcism that you see uh anthony hopkins is very casual about everything it's a very sort like he even takes a phone call in the middle of the exorcism he's like like mid prayer and his cell phone rings and he stops <laughs> to take the phone call and he like tells colin O'Donohue, who's sort of this skeptical seminarian to like, uh, you know, take over whatever while he speaks in Italian on the phone. But um, yeah, that I think is realistic in the sense that not that priests would be taking phone calls, but that um, it's just like one exorcism appointment of like someone that he's really been seeing for several times. And, you know, the demon doesn't always manifest in these, in these sessions, but it is something that that can progress over, you know, weeks and months and, and possibly years. And in that case, you know, that, i mean spoiler alerts if you haven't seen this movie stop stop this podcast now and go watch (laughs) it immediately but you know that woman dies Uh um, which his character says is the ultimate the ultimate goal of the demon is for the the person to to be killed which i don't necessarily know is actually true i think that the i mean i'm sure demons don't mind if the person dies but i think i if you know if humans are supposed to be you know like the the temple of god made manifest it, it's a way of desecrating that temple you know there's it's yeah. the devil to enter into the house of god and just desecrate that space um absolutely so but yes that 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 poor woman um does die but then that allows that demon to then move on and it attaches itself to anthony hopkins and we get a wonderful performance of anthony hopkins being possessed by a demon which I would like more of in my life. Yeah, I think
0: I don't know his his beliefs, but I feel like if I was ever possessed, he would be the one. You know, I would call to just like I don't know if you. <laughs> I know you're not a priest. I don't even know if you believe, but I just feel like you'd be a good job at. Yeah, yeah, yeah just, just kind of like, like talking to... to him, you know. Yeah, I was, you know when you also said that these are like routine appointments, you know that they can be, and also just like made me think like that's just therapy. You know, you
1: just, right. we're, yeah. we're, we're just, way. we're trying
0: to get our demons out, you know? Yeah.
1: And in the way that like the therapist doesn't want you to project your issues onto them and, and, or you don't want, um, you know, any sort of transference, right? I think that's right. the clinical term. Um, you also don't want that in a spiritual sense. You don't want spiritual transference where the, the entity has hopped from. Uh, one to another. And I also don't know, you know, how realistic that threat is or how easy that is. You know, there's mm-hmm. so much of it that, I mean, on the one hand, if it's even real, and on the other hand, if it is, the mechanics of all of that is so mysterious, you know, um, how all of it really works. Because even, there's just so much guesswork involved, even even with exorcists and, and believers who have, have done it. You know, there's only so much that they're ever going to get to know about how that all works. Especially mm-hmm. because it's not like it's not like you know when you catch a criminal, you could like interview them afterwards and like find out more about like the criminal mind or whatever. You sort of don't really get that luxury with, right. with demons, and I don't. I don't think they are probably uh, wanting to explain themselves.
0: That's also the hard thing with these. You know, you said that the especially within these true stories of exorcisms that end in death, um, and that we can't discuss them. <laughs> Going back to what you were saying earlier about like, what, what if this, <laughs> what if we're wrong about all of this, that if it always ends in death, you know, that like, I'm saying it always does, but I'm saying that so many of these, that, thats that is, that it is known to happen, wh- whether it be from the acts of the, the exercising person or through the, like in the case of Annalise Michelle from Germany, the real life story, she died from malnutrition and negligent manslaughter. like She only weighed right. 68 pounds when she died. Ugh. Um, It was horrible. And so like all of these different things that like, yeah, there's, there's rarely on the other side of it going, what was that? Tell us about the demon, you know? (laughs) Right, right. uh, There is no afterward. It feels like this is just like a, uh, another form of, I guess, therapy and not always successful. Um, Yeah, certainly not. We we brought up a couple uh, real life cases, um, but they, but there are cases of, I guess, success from famous individuals that have had successful exorcisms. Salvador Dali reportedly had a minor exorcism. That um, uh So there we go. Uh, he even created a sculpture of Christ on the cross and gave it to this friar, this Italian friar that did perform in as, as a thanks. Wow. Um, so look at that. There was the, I guess, Mother Teresa allegedly underwent an exorcism late in life.
1: Yeah, I heard
0: that. The Archbishop, of Calcutta noticed apparently that she was extremely agitated in her sleep and feared that she might be under attack of the evil one. Um, but that was late in life. I don't know if it was if it worked, you know. Right. I don't know. Again, if we can't ask nightmares.
1: Them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and it's, it's becoming a, a recurring problem that we can't ask if they work.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm looking
0: is, through this. this list of all these famous people that have been you not know, through exorcism. And it's so funny because they'll mention a name and they go based on this movie or from this movie or. Right. Uh, which might be a good segue into just, just talking about our like I, it's, you and I, big horror fans and horror movie fans, and we were raised Catholic, so we've seen a lot of exorcism movies. And yeah. so I thought it'd be fun to like talk about and whatever that means to you, your favorite exorcism, you know, movies, whether it be like your the portrayal of it or the uh, uh, just like you said, you love the right. Um, so that's your favorite.
1: Yeah, uh, and I yeah, go ahead. And I think um, well, one thing that's sort of interesting, speaking of the right, is that. Anthony Hopkins and Colin O'Donoghue sort of get into this conversation about the after that first session about um, what's really going on. And Colin O'Donoghue is very skeptical and he thinks, well, she's clearly been abused. Um, She's pregnant. Uh, You know, he's he has all these rationales and and Anthony Hopkins sort of comes back at him. And uh, he says it's sort of convenient that um, when no proof of the devil becomes proof of the devil. And I think that's sort of interesting, like, in in terms of, like, how do you actually prove what's really going on? And Anthony Hopkins, you know, says something to the effect of, like, well, when somebody comes and burgles your house, does he turn the lights on when he does it? No, right. he shows up. He shows up when it's nighttime and it's dark and he sneaks in, you know, if he goes to his job and he he does it so that you'll never know that he's there. And so you would think, like, why wouldn't why wouldn't the devil, you know, operate in the same way? So there's they sort of seesaw back and forth about that philosophical um, debate. and they and they both in that film, deal with their own um, their own skepticism, their own atheism, even at times. And I think that's that's an element that doesn't isn't always represented in uh, these sorts of stories but um
0: i do yeah, think it, I just, it is represented in like successful versions you know i think like definitely especially, definitely I, I rewatched uh and well, watched basically the whole exorcist and all its sequels leading up to this mm-hmm. podcast so i rewatched the exorcist and i and i was reminded all the ways that like yeah that, that it is in the devils or the spirits or whatever the demon's best interest to like throw off the scent a bit you know that like yeah um that like there was even a part in the movie where uh, you know, Father Karras, he throws the holy water on uh Regan and she's freaking, you know, she screams and starts speaking in tongues. But then when they're going back, you're like, oh, this is proof. Look, boom, you know, this is but they, they, they you got her that did right. It's got the deal, right. you know, <laughs> uh, but then Father Karras re- reveals that like that wasn't holy water. That was just tap water, you know, right. that like that it's even messing with the priest a bit, you know, that like yeah.
1: As long as Reagan Um, believes that she's possessed, she's going to act as if she was. Exactly.
0: And so it's I think it's just just fascinating. And I love I love the different ways of like like the the first scene where Father Kara sits down with Reagan and the 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 demon opens the drawer at the bedside table. Yeah. um, And father's like, Did you do that? Why don't you do that again? And the demon's like, In time. (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. And he's like, No, do it right now. He's like, No, in time. I I think it's yeah, the, the game of it. is is always the fun part of these exorcism movies, you know.
1: Speaking of The Exorcist, I don't remember, um, because I'm sure we've had this conversation before, but did you ever watch when FX did their exorcist TV series? No, I never
0: did. I know you've you've seen it, yes? Yes.
1: And I was so disappointed that it was canceled because I thought it was really good. And one of my favorite things about it was that it sort of creates its own exorcism lore i'm always interested because there's so much that's derivative in this genre specifically so i'm always looking for the thing that like is putting a little spin on it or delving into you know a question and two of the things that i think it does really well is that um one of the concepts that it introduces that you know classically there's there's different levels of demonic possession and i'm not going to remember the order of them but you know there's oppression and obsession and infestation you know there's all sorts of those things but they um in the series they introduce uh integration Mm. and and that is an idea that doesn't have any basis in you know in actuality but that is when Um, The demon completely takes over a person and there is no chance that they will be the the demon has essentially banished um, that humans, you know, soul and that demon is now walking around in that person's um, body forever. And there's no way that um, and that that comes into play because there's this secret cabal of people who are working to replace people in the world with um these demons and they are they're performing these these ritual murders and they're taking these um organs from these people that they've murdered and they are uh burning the organs and they um turn them into ash and then they all sit around at a table and they perform this thing called they call the ceremony of ash or vocare pulvera i think and they um somebody breathes into the ash and the ash sort of goes up into the air and then and it's sort of animated by a demon and then it decides which one of them it's going to possess and claim and then the they sort of open their mouth and the demon goes in the form of that ash goes into them so that's something just sort of like enriching a little bit of the lore and then the other thing that it introduces is that in the catholic tradition so much of exorcism is about it's all command it's all you know the power of christ compels you and you know and and demanding of the demon it's uh you know, you're really taking a stick to it. And it introduces this character of um Sister Bernadette, I think her name is. And she's this, she's this older nun. And she, I can't remember which character. I think it's Ben Daniels is in it. Ben Daniels plays sort of the older priest who's had a lot of experience because it's an older priest and a younger priest, very much like in the Exorcist movie. I guess her like um ethos behind Exorcism is approaching it with compassion as opposed to commanding and so when she performs exorcisms she uh, approaches the demon with with compassion and uh, l- like to, i don't know that she tells the demon that she loves it but she she sort of like is this forgiving kind uh empathetic presence and i think it's effective because i think the evil doesn't know what to do in the face of that sort of compassion that sort of empathy and in the idea of forgiveness or like the idea that like god loves you you know and i, th- I think that's that's a, I think it's frightening you know um yeah. to be uh um to have to face up to that and i think it's so much more easy to um battle against something it's like oh, the power of christ compels you and i think the demon can be sort of like oh fuck you but then when it's like they often do god, so <laughs> yeah but but then when it's like God loves you and you know um you're loved and you know and 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 speaking as much to the person who is possessed as to the demon itself um and that's just something that I'd never seen before portrayed in exorcism is approaching that approaching exorcism with um a compassionate mindset instead of a commanding sort of domineering and it's a very you know patriarchal versus matriarchal sort of approach to uh the same thing and um I think as a result, it's much more risky because she, um, she, you know, it's not like tying up the victim or whatever. Um, right. She she gets up close and personal, and so she incurs a lot more, you know, physical risk that way. But I think that her results are better because it, it seems like it's just a more effective um, way of performing exorcism. And I think it makes sense that, you know, of course... Of course, a nun is going to come up with that. And of course, you know, this patriarchal system, this, you know, clerical system of, you know, this male-dominated priesthood is always going to come in with, you know, the the power of Christ compels you. And perhaps that's not the best way to go about it.
0: I love that. I love that the the other, I guess, a more nurturing, loving form of exorcism. Yeah. And I think like things that came come to mind are, first thing that came to mind is, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Um, oh, yes. Stop motion movie. And at the, at the end of the movie, they, 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 uh, defeat the old, you know, manned evil wizard boy, uh, by <laughs> basically just telling him. In a way of lying, but they're just, they they basically have the whole town saying, like, no, you're a good person, or like, no, you are a loving father. You're this, you're this, and this, you know, that like, yeah. and like just rewriting the story for him a bit, you know, mm-hmm. that like cause sometimes it just takes like a recognition that you are good, you know, and that uh, that can be a step in because it's, uh, you know, the bringing it back to exorcisms that just like the power of Christ. If you're playing the fire with fire, you know, it might not exactly. work. Exactly. Right. Um, I also think it's fascinating that this is part of the Exorcist TV show because, and this is just a great moment I want to plug because I'm a big fan of Sharice Castro-Smith, who has produced the show. And then she went on to write and direct Encanto, which I feel like employees oh. have a similar uh, way of solving problems, you know?
1: yeah. Um,
0: so I just think that's fun. Yeah, I mean, that and challenging narratives. Understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So no, but this is on my list. I definitely want to watch this show, and I'm sorry.
1: Yeah.
0: That I haven't seen it yet.
1: The other th- um, one that it made me think of in terms of like exorcism being approached in a non-traditional um, and by traditional, I mean, non-Catholic, traditional, non-Roman you know, right way is in Grady Hendrix's book, you know, My Best Friend's Exorcism, less yeah. so the movie, which should have been so much better than it was, but we're not to talk about that. No, we do um, have to. <laughs> but uh, but the, uh, the book offers this really beautiful... Something that could so easily be corny becomes something that is so emotional. And it's basically a secular exorcism in that, um, you know, because it's about this this group of girlfriends in um the 1980s in South Carolina, and one of them becomes possessed and her uh best friend, you know, is you know, sticks with her through this whole thing and horrible, horrible things happen. But uh she ultimately uh links up with this guy who's part of like a Know, they're like dudes who like work out for Jesus, and they're sort of like, I don't even know, but they'd be like uh televangelists sort of mm-hmm. but they also like our gym bros anyway she she tries to go for him to help with for help to sort of exercise her friend, and he sort of pulls all the- all the classic um you know Christian exorcism techniques, and it's just not working and so um the friend she her sort of last ditch effort is like. She invokes all of these all of these things that are sort of sacred and holy to her friendship with this other girl. And it's things like that girl's dog. And it's like, you know, by the power of, you know, our your dog Max and by the power of the go-go's music. And by the, you know, it's it's all of these sort of like secular things, but that are really special and linked to their relationship specifically. And that could so easily become you know, like I said, you know, corny or trite even, but it is so emotional. I just remember crying when I, when I, um, I think I was listening to the book, um, uh, you know, hearing all that it's, it's so, so, um, affecting and, and it takes you by surprise because you think like, how is this going to work? Like you, you've, you know, you've tried everything that you could, you know, that's possibly within your power to expel this, this demon. And then that's, that's the thing that, um, does it. And so often in you know, even I would say, even in like my favorite exorcism film, *The Right*, the way that the way that the exorcism works, you know, suddenly the the young uh, character, the the seminarian, he, you know, he's forced to acknowledge the, existent, the existence of the devil. Anthony Hopkins, you know, forces him to reckon with the fact that, like the devil is real, and then he sort of does the logic of like, well, if the devil is real, then God has to be real too, and if God is real, then I then I choose to believe in him, and that's you know, that's that's sort of how he. Wins the day and, and exercises Anthony Hopkins, which is a little, you know, it's a little convenient. It's um, <laughs> it's like why did that take you this long? Um, but uh, anyway, I just feel like oftentimes exorcism stories don't necessarily end in a in a way that lives up to everything that's come before in the film. You know, it sort of gets tied up in like a sometimes a dumb way or, or sometimes just a way that's too um, convenient. But convenient, I, I just yeah. Yeah, I just found that in my best friend's exorcism, it was a really poignant, really beautiful um, example of a secular exorcism that uses all of the language of the Roman rite. But then instead of, you know, the power of Christ or, you know, in, any sort of like Christian language, it's just things that are important and sacred and holy to these two young girls. And that's the thing that does it. And I just think what a what a brilliant what a brilliant um what a brilliant example! You know, so. I love that.
0: I think that's. I mean, it, it it might even be considered, you know, blasphemous or a little sacrilege, but like using the 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 uh, by invoking the power of your your dog or your your favorite band that these are these are things that yeah. do have power. You know, these are things that you exactly. do like give an adoration to, and then some. And sometimes yeah. that can be. You're going to give more adoration to something that you can see and feel and love than like, uh, you exactly. know, a, a divine almighty that that um, I think a lot of uh, the demons will take advantage of how quiet he is. You know, right, right. Um, I was I watched a, uh, um, you know, and all the exorcist. Uh, sequels prequels i watched i watched uh there are two prequels technically there was there's exorcist the beginning and dominion a prequel to the exorcist and they're basically the same
1: movie i don't know if you know the history of this which is the one that Isn't Stellan Skarsgård in one of them? He's like young Max on side. Which one is he in?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, Exorcist the Beginning. It started off as Dominion, prequel to The Exorcist. It was a Paul Schrader movie, uh, which Paul Schrader also did first performed, which is an incredible (laughs) um, uh, (laughs) movie to talk about exorcism and and environmentalism. Paul Schrader's take on this story was very much he's honing in on the more quiet. uh, existential woes of the exorcist versus like the flashy pea soup stuff in um, mm. the studio. Didn't <laughs> the like it. <laughs> exactly. And so they, <laughs> they fired him halfway through filming uh, oh. and basically re the whole movie uh, for exorcist at the beginning. And that was directed um, by Rennie Harlan. Uh, the movie did not do well. The budget was mm. 50 million uh, and it made seventy six million, so considered bust, even though it worked very well on my sleepover party. <laughs> Two of them are not priests. <laughs> um, but with the the, the story is, is is roughly the same. The difference is in Exorcist. The beginning, it's much more flashy. It's much more like Hollywood, you know, like ah demons. Um, after the failure of this, they actually the studio went back and gave money to Paul Schrader to finish his version oh of it. Oh my god! And you can watch it. Watch it. It's on Peacock dominion prequel to the exorcist there's the the special effects are pretty jank it's it's uh i'm not going to say it's a great movie but i think there's really good stuff in it that like i think there's the ideas in dominion are much more exciting than the you know blockbuster version of the beginning um and i this is all a long-winded way to go back to uh, a big part of the the prequel dominion was that the pazuzu He's doing such a good job at like complete in this small you know uh, town in Africa at this dig site of like everybody involved and everybody in the vicinity of like completely breaking them down to being just completely hopeless you know that like Mm. and and fully believing there is no God because how could there's even a part in the movie where a room of school children. Uh, Indigenous children that are being indoctrinated with the Christian faith at this school. And Mm -hmm. one of the local indigenous warriors comes and kills all the kids because they didn't want this plague of Christianity to spread. And then there is a father that comes and he's weeping and he asks the priest, Father Marin, asks like, does your God allow this to happen to the most faithful? And Father Marin goes, yes, (laughs) which is like – such a, like, uh, I don't have that, there's no answer to that, you know, that, like, if, yeah. and there's so many other moments of us that, like, the, the Pazuzu, in this case, is doing so little, and, in fact, the times that he does show up, we brought up earlier with the, the miracles, there is a, um, a crippled local uh, that gets to walk, gets his hands back, gets his legs back, um, he is possessed by Pazuzu, but everyone sees something glorious and not something mm. scary, and so... It gets uh, it gets messy is what I'm saying. Yeah. Much um, like Midnight mass. Exactly. Just like midnight mass. I think it's worth a You know, if you've got an afternoon and you want these kind of cool ideas, it's not a great movie. I'm not going to say it's not like a, an amazing <laughs> time, uh, but it's certainly a lot better than the the sequel Exorcist Two, the heretic. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. I never watched that one. I think you can miss it. For, for yeah, that. I think I've only seen one in three. I I watched it. I watched the whole thing two days ago. I still can't tell you what it was, what it was about. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember anything from that movie. <laughs> 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 but what I do remember, and you were talking about how these movies, a lot of Exorcist movies that have a really hard time ending in a satisfying way. I think the Exorcist, the, the OG, I think still has the most satisfying ending and brings yeah, in definitely. another part of exorcisms we mentioned which is transference and at the end you know father Karis yeah. accepts uh you know pazuzu into him and then kills himself in the process and that's how he's he saves reagan by doing so and heroically rids you know the demon of a vessel i still think and, it, and it's that's people still take pictures by the stairs you know that right, like, right, right. Are in in georgetown that like yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to to see what else comes from from the series, because I mean, this is funny we that we're are getting
1: reading. what's up? Well, because we are getting a, a, a new we're getting a reboot, right?
0: We're this year. Yeah. From the which people may have mixed ideas on this. But yeah, from the the creator of the most recent Halloween trilogy, <laughs> um, right? Uh, David Gordon Green is directing and, you know, uh, producing this new uh, reboot of The Exorcist. But I think there's a. I think it's got potential. I think it could be cool because and you know, we, Ellen Bernstein is coming back.
1: That's exciting. right. I mean, yeah, that's that's always exciting. <laughs> um, do we know that it's? I mean, if Ellen's coming back, do we know that it's? Is it retelling Reagan's story or is it a continuation of? Much like the Halloween, the new Halloween movie. It is. It is a sequel. sequel
0: it is a sequel to the first movie, very much like the the, the right. Halloween movies. Um, the IMDb storyline says it's sequel to the 1973 film about a 12-year-old girl who is possessed by a mysterious demonic entity, forcing her mother to seek the help of two priests to save her. That is the story of the <laughs> 1973 movie. Sure. Uh, so I guess that didn't tell me anything about this new one. But the cast is exciting. Ellen Bernstein's going to be in it. Leslie Odom Jr. is also in it. And so is oh, Ann Dowd um
1: and doubt i know know it's gonna be good
0: i know it's gonna be it's and it's got a fire cast and there are rumors that that relinda blair may be in it which i hard to believe because she's publicly very you know famously said she wants nothing to do with the series anymore which i could do not blame her i don't know if you've ever watched a behind the scenes of of (sighs) of what she went through to make that movie um but it was horrible she broke her back
1: Oh my God! Well, that makes sense because in the the only reason that I'm skeptical about this is just that I thought that the FX TV show, which is you know a sequel to the first movie, um, Mm -hmm. I just loved everything they were doing with it, so I was very pleased with what already exists. So I'm just sort of like still bitter that like, wait, why didn't we just keep doing that? But this, okay, well, spoiler alerts. I've already told you this, but spoiler alert for the for the viewers: if you don't want to know anything more about the Exorcist TV series, then stop listening now. (laughs) But gina davis is in it and she just plays this mom whose daughter is becomes possessed and it's revealed that later that she is reagan all grown up That's and she so has cool. a different yeah she has a different identity yeah so cool and also great to see her um you know i think it sort of happened at a point in her career where it was like where has she been what has she been mm-hmm. doing and she really delivers and there's and there's a lot that she has to do and there's a lot of different hats that she has to to put on in that in that role. And she gets to flex a lot of a lot of good acting skills and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that's that's quite fun. And I think you sort of see it coming. But I remember it 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 does feel like a sort of jaw dropping moment when she finally reveals that that's her identity. But, yeah, I was happy with what she, what she did. If we can't have if we couldn't have Linda Blair come back. I thought oh that was a good choice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. These are more more reasons I want to watch this TV show now, and I'm probably going to do it this weekend. Um, but this is, well, this is a good year. 2023 for Exorcist movies. We're just talking about later on this year. We got an Exorcist reboot. We've got The Nun 2 is coming out, which right. <laughs> if you liked The and Nun, <laughs> I, am, I wanted to like it. The now Nun I'm so excited. much.
1: <laughs> I liked parts of it. <laughs> It's hard not to like I'm like a Romanian monastery. i I'm there I'm, on paper. Sorry. it's a
0: perfect movie for me. It like checks yes. every box Romanian yes. castle
1: spooky nun
0: it, it Indiana yeah. Jones story it turns into you know, like
1: yeah. um, I sort of wish that this is sort of interesting in that it's not really a it's certainly not an exorcist um story, but it's not not a possession story. but if if anybody's ever seen Black Narcissus oh yes oh my gosh that is a great story which but that's sort of what i wish the nun had been 100 percent, like that but more that but more obviously more heavy on on the supernatural which is really just a suggestion in black narcissus but black narcissus that's is very cheap, gothic Steers, but
0: scares more yeah. uh, sexual tension with priests yeah
1: <laughs> Le- yeah less less spitting the blood of christ into the face of, of the demon nun and more right the, yeah
0: <laughs> I do think there's I mean that those are all two later on this year. This week, well, that's I think another reason in honor of hosting this podcast this week, we've got the Pope's Exorcist starring yes. Crowe.
1: I can't believe we went this whole time without mentioning it since ostensibly <laughs> no, that's sort I of the reason why, it why we're doing the beginning. This. Like in, in
0: honor of <laughs> the Pope dispatching his, his strongest soldier, we are going right. to talk <laughs> about. Other Exorcist movies to put on your radar if, personal favorite I love I love Exorcist three um I think yes. it's wonderful. It's written and directed by the uh writer of the original novel The exorcist uh and it's it's like a like a police procedural or C Scott
1: is so incredible oh God,
0: he's so good George C. Scott, and he goes into this psychiatric ward and is trying to like hunt down this Gemini serial killer. It's wonderful and it's got maybe the best jump scare, maybe ever, oh yeah. Highly recommend Exorcist 3. That's funny that,
1: yeah, I was, I just made the connection that George C. Scott is in that film and his son, Campbell Scott, plays the prosecuting attorney in The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Uh, That's so true. (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny. I also think that, uh,
0: The Conjuring is is a great example of, um, exorcism. I think what's great about that one and what scared me the most when I saw it in theaters was that it really broke down the steps and gave you, like, (laughs) kind of like a the tier system and how one would become to possess that it, you know, it starts with like a, you know, that the, they will break down the host until it finally accepts them because it can't resist it anymore. I think that was all like the, the portrayal of that. I thought was very scary and well done. So
1: yeah,
0: the, the conjuring three, maybe less so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but
1: uh, but the first one <laughs> still great. Still great. Yes. I saw just
0: read this week that there's going to be a conjuring TV show.
1: Coming there through. is. Yeah. Which also reminds me, and maybe you're already going to say this, but a sort of less traditional, I guess, exorcism story is we're getting another Insidious, right? Yes, we are, um, and because that does involve that yeah. does involve exorcism. It's just it goes about it in a much more sort of like dark fantasy way rather than a rather than a religious way.
0: Which made me starting to think when I was compiling my list of like what are other things that are. are exorcism adjacent what are the things that are like expelling bad things you know but maybe aren't like out damn demon you know yeah
1: Um, well yeah it crops up in all sorts you know like i don't know like lord voldemort possessing harry potter mm -hmm. you know like he's it happens in all sorts of different um stories
0: i think about there's a movie that came out a few years ago called the wailing south korean movie very scary movie and that's very much dealing with a little village that is possessed by an evil spirit, and the the rituals that they do to dispel that. And that one, I think that might be on Shudder. I think that's where I saw it. Oh, check that out. The Wailing
1: is very good. Highly recommend the Wailing.
0: What are some other ones? I'm trying to. Oh
1: well, talk about like an unsuccessful exorcism that's very disturbing. But in The Witch, oh yes, when Allison's brother comes back from being in the woods with the witch, and he's sort of undergoing. Um, I don't even know what you would call it because it's, it's not even necessarily, I guess, I guess he's more sort of bewitched, but the, the family are trying to bring him back and they're trying, they're trying essentially to give him an exorcism, even though they're not trained in that. And I don't even know that they would, I don't know how familiar they would even be with um, that tradition or those ideas, but um, very, very disturbing and very unsuccessful. (laughs)
0: I think another one bringing it back to books a bit is a head full of ghosts, which we read in our book club. Oh yes. Yes. Indeed.
1: Um,
0: That one is a, uh, which at the end it's a reader. You decide if it was a successful exorcism. Yeah. Um, You decide if it
1: was real or not. Yeah.
0: That one's wonderful. If you haven't heard of a head full of ghosts, which I I swear we, we must, if you were a a podcast faithful and have heard us talk about um, Paul Tremblay, we were big fans of Paul here on the podcast. Uh, you'll know that we love this book, um, Head Full of Ghosts, starring uh, these two sisters. That uh, the older sister is maybe possessed, maybe not, but it is is bringing the attention of a local TV crew to document a real life family, you know, possession um, and the ridding of it. And the story is all told from the perspective of the younger sister and wondering. With all the unreliable narrator, you know, tricks that would come from a story being told by, you know, an eight-year-old girl that is in that situation. It's a wonderful story. Love that book so much. Yeah. And I and at the end, that's another one where, like, I don't know. I don't know. Was she ever possessed? Is she still possessed? Is the sister now possessed? Who knows?
1: You know? There's another book that I haven't – I have, but I haven't read it in um a long time. I should probably – I should probably reread it. But uh, it's called – A good and happy child, but Justin Evans. Yeah, it's been a while. I can't, so I I don't have like a tidy summary. But uh, about this, you know, thirty year old man who is sort of in in crisis, and he's just had a, a baby, and he's not really bonding with his with his infant son. And he, I think he goes to like several therapy sessions and starts like thinking back about his own childhood and weird things that happened in his childhood. And I think starts to become suspicious that, Oh, Hey, maybe some of that weird stuff that happened when I was a child is the result of demonic activity. And maybe my sort of imaginary friend was maybe more than an imaginary friend. And maybe that's maybe all this stuff in my past is the reason why, um, my life is sort of out of sorts now. And I'm not bonding with my child. But yeah, A Good and Happy Child by Justin Evans. That sounds icky. Yeah, yeah. Not a fan of that one. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you prefer um, your uh, exorcism stories non-icky? <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, non-icky, yes, please. <laughs> Thinking about some other ones, we, we went and saw The Devil's, what was it called? The Devil's oh, Staircase?
1: You... Is that what it was? No, the, isn't The Devil's Staircase... What is that? That is something, but that's not what it we is did. something.
0: The devil has so many parts of the house. Yeah. Yeah, but we, we saw. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: that's uh, good.
0: I'm trying to figure out oh, um Saint, Saint Maud. Maud is another one that comes to mind. Yeah. Um, which is more
1: possession than I think ex exor- I don't know that there's ever an attempted exorcism
0: no no exorcism so i guess that's more of a possession but it
1: does but it does deal with that idea of it's at least the the first time i can think of the idea being presented that like what if what if possession demonic or otherwise feels good instead of bad and what that might mean and yeah. that we are just so used to seeing like examples of possession um you know that it's horrible for the person um who's undergoing it but right. um I think that's an interesting idea of like, yeah, but what if it felt like ecstatic, even if, even if you ultimately were doing awful things that you weren't necessarily fully in control of? What if the experience of it in your body was that it felt really good? I think that's a, that's an ickier um, thing to sort of be confronted with. And we don't really get to see that um, represented very much, but um, yeah, St. Maud, check it out.
0: Yeah. It's, it's usually the icky version that we are. It's like, oh yeah, we got to get that out. Toronto, but like what if they don't want to get it out yeah i think we pretty much covered like the big ones
1: you know the conjuring exorcist uh okay but wait back to the devil's staircase because there are several things that relate to the devil's staircase most of them geographical locations there are a few movies but are you are you thinking of the movie that we saw in brooklyn yeah and that little really cool movie bar that is now closed. It's the know, devil's doorway. Like, is that what it was? Yeah, maybe it's the devil's doorway. And it's in another iron, part of the house, right? Another yet again, another part of the house. What does he not have? <laughs> He's got <laughs> gonna, like look for like the devil's eaves, the devil's gutters. The devil's, yeah, devil's doorway
0: oh. is definitely what it was. Gosh, there's so many. The devil, dude, he must be so bored, so bored, right. Well, we've covered kind of the big ones and watch us like, you know, wrap this up now and we're gonna be like, Oh my god, of course we didn't talk about this. Oh you yeah. Know? Like, oh I would have loved to talk about this. Well, uh, I, guess... I think the the big one that I want to mention is uh Evil Dead 2. You know, Ash's hand gets possessed and he does what he has to do and he chops it off with a chainsaw. <laughs> that yes. is a that yes, is a possession does. if I've ever seen one. <laughs> well, right. I
1: feel like I feel like with um since we've talked about it before on a previous episode, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Penny Dreadful, You're a big which, fan of Penny mo- Dreadful, moment of silence for Penny Dreadful. You loved how it ended, uh, I, uh, yeah, yeah, famously loved that, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, just kidding, horrific. But the point is, is that in the first season, there's a great um, exorcism scene performed to the hilt by Eva Green, who knows no peer. Where are all her enemies? But what starts as a as a very i don't know classic sort of catholic exorcism that doesn't work then becomes uh, just a one on one between her and ethan uh who i don't think at that point we know is um a werewolf which actually isn't i don't i didn't even need to say that it's not it's not germane to the exorcism but the point is is that she sort of begs him to uh she doesn't see any hope for herself she doesn't see that she's going to be relieved from this oppression by the devil and so uh, she asks him to to kill her and to shoot her specifically with his gun, but he has a uh, a St. Jude medal. You know, St. Jude, as people may or may not know, is the you know patron saint of lost causes. He uses that as his sort of like icon with which to exercise her, which is really sort of beautiful in that like she sees herself as a lost cause, and he's he's using that, he's taking that, and answering that with like, okay, well then let me use the thing that is specifically for um lost causes and it works of course many more awful things befall or ives but um at the end of season one that's that's the the exorcism there and what a performance
0: by Ava Green. Like, a lot of
1: performance. Everybody, I recently rewatched that scene and Josh Hartnett too doing that. It's the two of them, they had insane chemistry and um, were so, so good together. Everybody, everybody in that show.
0: So many people have done an exorcism movie. I feel like that's always a mark when you, you have a really memorable, a memorable possessed performance. And I think that like Ava knocked it out of the park. You already mentioned the, the exorcism of Emily Rose with yeah, Jennifer, Jennifer Carpenter. Carpenter. I think oh she does a, a, just a, a horrifying performance.
1: In, uh, Incredible. And, and with so little, there's not a lot of special effects. No. So much of that is just really her performance. It's, it's
0: the contortions yeah. of her body and the positions that she finds herself yeah. in, like really, really upsetting stuff. Um, I don't obviously- even know that
1: her voice was altered at all. I think I kind of want to believe that that's all her.
0: Is I don't know right? if that's true, but oh, it's, I don't
1: know if that's true. But I, I, I don't think that the the voice modulations are that drastic. I think that it's it's believably within her range. I don't know that they didn't modify it, but um, I wouldn't be surprised to learn if it was all her.
0: I would even. I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it. I think she really. She can probably even make her eyes
1: dilate like that at, at will. I would believe it.
0: Obviously, uh, Linda Blair. We already mentioned uh, for what she had to go through for that performance. If yeah, uh, one thing to leave for you with this podcast if you haven't on Shudder, there is a documentary called cursed films in the exorcist episode is one of the best and really goes down to like all the stuff that happened on that set a great piece of history uh all the horrific stuff that he, they went <laughs> through so check that out um this was a fun talk connor i late, i enjoyed talking about this and i, I yeah, thought this is too. kind of an overdue one and it just seems like it's in the air this year with with the exorcist coming back and russell Crowe, gladiator our 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 finest soldier getting in the ring
1: yeah i think well we've already talked about this a bit like i don't really have high hopes for that movie other than i do expect to see new things done as far as like exorcism lore and mythology and tradition and, and maybe some things that like haven't been explored before they may be executed poorly but i I'm sort of in it as much for the ideas that they present as I am in the execution. And another part of me is a, a little bitter that. I'm like, why isn't it not just like another, like the right two? why didn't we just bring back Anthony Hopkins to, to have another go? Maybe
0: he'll have a cameo at the end. And then we have our extended, would right be universe, amazing. you know, <laughs> you know, our own DCU, you know, our MCU. There we go. Fucking yeah. I've just ruined movies. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Connor, for coming on talking about exorcism. Yeah, it's
1: great to be back.
0: Thanks all for joining in, uh, Connor. Do you have anything coming up that you'd like the plug that we could put in here?
1: Imagine if I said, um, "Yeah, I'm actually about to attend an exorcism next week." So <laughs> no, you know, can thoughts, you believe thoughts and it? prayers, everybody, please. I'll be doing a, a full an expose, so you'll get all the behind the scenes. You know all the things we don't want you to know about exorcism. No, all, all that is to say, I don't have anything. Yeah, okay, <laughs> Sorry to disappoint everyone. Uh, no, no, no,
0: thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, if you enjoy Happy Harvest Horror Show and you want to help us out a little bit, just go to our Instagram, Happy Harvest Horror Show on Instagram. And you can find our link tree there and all the necessary links. And supporting our podcast gets you access to our super fun book club where we meet once a month to talk about a spooky book. We'd love for you to join our little group. Um, so just gone on over there, even supporting at $1 gets you access. But um, thank you again, Connor. And thanks all for listening to our spooky little podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye.